Welcome to Servant Leadership Sessions, an ongoing series of conversations with business and thought leaders exploring the impact of servant leadership. Brought to you by Cairnway Center for Servant Leadership Excellence. Find out more at cairnway.net. That's C-A-I-R-N-W-A-Y.net. Now, here's your host, Kevin Monroe. Welcome, and it's time for another Servant Leadership Session. And we're thrilled to have today's special guest joining us. Many of you will instantly recognize him. Others, well, you may be surprised that your paths have not yet crossed. Either way, you're in for a special treat as we talk servant leadership with Jay Bear. Jay is a social media sensation of of sorts. Ah, Let me say that again there, Steve. Jay is a social media sensation of sorts. Well, forget that part. Jay is a social media sensation. He's the New York Times best-selling author of Utility. He runs the world's number one content marketing blog. He's the world's number two most retweeted person by B2B marketers. He's the host of Jay Today. He's a husband, father, all-around great guy, and best of all, He's an advocate for servant leadership. Welcome, Jay. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I think uh, some folks may recognize me because I'm told I look quite a bit like Drew Carey. That's probably where the confusion lies. <laughs> hey, well, we're delighted to have you sit in for this servant leadership session. So uh, as we get started, is there anything you'd like to add by way of introduction? Uh, I would just maybe say that I have been in online marketing now for 20 years, which is about as long as you could have been in online marketing. So I've seen many things change uh, in that world, but it all ultimately comes back to the golden rule and servant leadership. So technology changes and consumer behavior changes and the way we communicate changes, but, but the core premise remains the same. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I've been successful in this business because I, I, I don't really care about the technology. I care about what the technology can do for you and your business. Well, let's begin with the basics then. Do you remember your earliest introductions to servant leadership? You know, in a, in a, in a formalized sense, no. But, but looking backwards, one of the things that I think has been an enormous, enormous linchpin to my ability to communicate with people successfully is that I was really, really fortunate um, as a young professional that I had a series of just terrific uh, mentors and and bosses who really believed and practiced and and executed a servant leadership uh, philosophy. So, in, in you know, when I was 20, 21, 22, the people I worked for really epitomized um, you know that that philosophy, and were incredibly helpful and kind, and went out of their way to assist people, and took all kinds of meetings they didn't need to take, and and just really spent uh, a lot of of their desk time mm-hmm. helping other people, and, and it had a tremendous impact on me uh, as a as a young person, and I tried to mimic those behaviors in the future. It's one of those things that we share sometimes in in sessions with folks that that servant leadership is is as much caught or perhaps more caught than it is just taught. And so, is there something that that those mentors or bosses really did that that stood out to you that you've carried through your professional career? I think part of it is just being 
uh, and probably the one that I that I think of the most and applies most to my day to day world now, is just being incredibly responsive, um, and and treating every phone call and every email and every piece of mailed correspondence back in the day, every fax, uh, if you can <laughs> ponder that <laughs> circumstance, uh, with with equal importance. Right, a lot of people will do a lot of sorting and sifting of. Well, this moves to the top of the to-do list, or this moves to the top of the callback pile. Uh, and uh, a guy I worked for, his name is Win Holden, a fantastic gentleman. He's now the publisher of Arizona Highways uh, magazine, and and he really taught me that you know every call is is important, and every meeting is important, and every person is important, and that you can't go through life making uh, mm-hmm. mental buckets and tears of of people who want to spend time with you. That that is a road to ruin. Uh, and I really try to uh, live that principle as much as I, I can today. Another aspect of servant leadership that enthralls people is, is what many people call flipping the pyramid, where those at the top of the org chart see that their real role as a leader is in serving those at the front lines of the organization. Well, Jay, in, in your book, Utility, and that's Y-O-U-T-I-L-I-T-Y, you describe marketing in that same way, upside down. Will you elaborate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think one of the challenges that, that we have as marketers is that we're, we're always trying to, to communicate value from the position of the brand or from the position of the, the CEO uh, things like that, where where you know lots of research will show you that the people who are most trusted in an organization are the front lines. If you just ask somebody to ask 100 Americans, who do you trust in this company, the CEO or the person on the front lines? The front lines are trusted at a roughly two to one ratio. Mm. And and so as a leader, you have to think not only do you have more people on the front lines, but those people on the front lines are the ones that really unlock brand value. So instead of trying to to build authenticity and authority around yourself, it's how do you empower those people uh, to connect with customers and potential customers day to day. And the companies you see doing that well, Jay, is there a conscious connection between the leaders at the top line focusing their efforts to serve those on the front line? In some cases, there are. Uh, no doubt, but I think more common is that servant leadership manifests as empowerment. Okay, that it's that it's not so much uh, a leader purposely saying, "Look, uh, I want to serve you," but they are serving those frontline teams by saying, "We trust you to make the right decision right now. We are going to allow you to work off script. We are going to allow you to surprise and delight a customer." using whatever means you have at your disposal, you don't have to ask permission. And I think in modern business where things move so quickly in social media and you have to be able to react in five seconds, one of the ways to, to provide servant leadership is essentially just by trusting your employees to do what they think is best, not having to ask for permission. And you talk a, a, a lot about the impact of trust. Relative to organizations, one of the things that stood out to me was this uh, data set you had. When a company is distrusted, 57% will believe negative information after hearing it just once or twice. And if a company is trusted, 51% will believe what they hear. Say, say more about that, the impact of trust. Well, I mean, trust is, trust is the prism through which all business success must pass. 
without trust, nothing else matters, right? Your product doesn't uh-huh. matter. Your price doesn't matter. Your customer service doesn't matter. Without trust, nothing else matters. And, and you're exactly right. The data shows that if a company is trusted, people believe positive chatter. If the company is fundamentally distrusted, people believe negative chatter. Of course they do. The charge is a stick, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that also applies for individuals, right? Trust is the prism through which all personal success must pass as well. If you think about the people that you really appreciate in your life, if you think about the servant leaders in your community and in your world, the people that come to mind are the people that you fundamentally trust, inherently and implicitly and explicitly. Uh, trust is the raw material of all success, and we tend to underappreciate it and I think underdiscuss it in, in many ways. One of the things that I talk a lot about in my book, Utility, is the fact that trust can be gained and earned and kept by being radically transparent, that, that one of the best ways to uh, achieve trust with customers or prospective customers is to is to tell them uh, things that ordinarily you wouldn't have told them. To, mm-hmm. to just say, yeah, we're just going to shoot you straight. Uh, at some point, we got into this um, circumstance where where business hides the truth from from the public, and and that is certainly not a recipe for trust. Wow. There, there, there's a lot in that comment that, that I'd like to unpack. Uh, trust, the raw material of all success, and, and then this radical transparency. Jay, from, from CEOs and other leaders you interact with, how do you see them really grasping that? And uh, I'm thinking of Stephen M. R. Covey's book, Speed of Trust, you know, and, and the ways that they are depositing into the trust account. You know, there's a, a very interesting company. Uh, I'm actually a very proud investor in this in this company. Uh, it's called Buffer, and Buffer is a social media sharing tool that you can use to uh, help you tweet better and, and post things on Facebook and LinkedIn, etc. Uh, most of their customers are, are individuals or, or uh, small organizations, although they do have a more of an enterprise tool now as well. But but Buffer is completely built from the ground up around this concept of transparency and trust. They publish uh, on their blog every month all of their financials. So the same information that I get as an investor gets posted to their blog at the same time. They publish on their blog all of the salaries, compensation packages, equity wow. packages of all of their employees. Wow. All of their employees get to vote on who else joins the company, and those votes are made public. Wow. Every facet of that organization is out there for everybody in the world to see. And, and about uh, nine months ago or so, uh, there was a security breach, and they got hacked, and it caused a bunch of you know Internet nonsense. And, uh, and people were, were like, oh, that is really unfortunate. But they had built up such an enormous wellspring of trust amongst their customers because of these type of behaviors that it didn't result in any uh, significant lost business at all. In fact, people said, oh, yeah, we, we trust those guys. We know they'll take care of it. And they did. Um, and, and that's the kind of uh, organization that I think we all aspire to be, but so a few of us have the courage to become. Wow. Uh, that really defined radical transparency for me, Jay. Yeah, it's you know it's it's incredibly hard, but it doesn't even have to be at the financial level. Right. Sometimes it's just at the at the at the brand value level. Like you know, everybody I'm sure is familiar with Domino's Pizza, 
Domino's Pizza, their entire brand strategy now is essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but it's essentially our pizza used to suck. Now, not so much. Right? That's basically their approach. And since they adopted that radical transparency positioning where they said, yeah, you know what, we realized that we didn't used to make a good product, but now it's better. Since they started doing that, they've had eight consecutive quarters of increasing stock price. Hmm. Well, now, Jay, when I hear things like that and it buffer, you know, I know there's some folks that might be more cynically predisposed and go, oh, that's just a gimmick. I can't buy that as a gimmick. There's something else in the leadership DNA driving that kind of radical transparency. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. I absolutely agree. And and I and I think people are cynical because we have accepted lack of trust and lack of transparency as the default state. We have come to believe that it is inherently okay for individuals to be dishonest, for companies to hide the truth. It is so pervasive that we've come to accept it as, as default. Um, but when you, when you drill down on that, even those who are cynical, I think if they're truly being honest with themselves, nobody in the history of ever would say, yeah, I prefer to not know the truth. I prefer to not have trust. I prefer to, to have opaque organizations. Everybody wants trust. It's the golden rule. That's why my book, Utility, has been successful, I think, because essentially it's the golden rule applied to business. Okay, so we've been talking about this book, Utility, a little bit, and and perhaps there's some folks that have not yet read the book, which I would highly recommend you reading, by the way. So how would you explain Utility to those who may be hearing of it for the first time right now? It's quite simple. Uh, Utility is marketing so useful that people would pay for it. It's, it's marketing with so much intrinsic value that if you said to somebody, hey, would you kick in a couple dollars for that? They'd say, yeah, actually, I would kick in a couple dollars for that. It's marketing that people cherish uh-huh. instead of marketing that people tolerate, which is what we've been doing for about a thousand years. <laughs> okay. And when I, when I read that, it's a servant leadership approach to marketing. 100%. Uh, you, you read this in the book, but I think it, it really explains utility through a servant leadership lens. Um, Hilton Hotels has a program on Twitter called Hilton Suggest. It's at Hilton Suggest. And this program started very humbly. Uh, my friend Vanessa San Dieguez started it. She's in charge of, of social strategy for Hilton. And, and they took volunteers, literally volunteers, from 25 or so hotels around the U.S. and said, look, uh, we know that you already have a job at Hilton. You might be in uh, concierge or, or front desk or food and beverage or whatever. Uh, but, but in your spare time, could you please just pay attention to Twitter? And if you find an opportunity to serve, just serve. Hmm. End of instruction manual, literally. So that's what they do. They now have um, participants in something like 300 different hotels. And they just pay attention to Twitter. And if they, if they can find something that they can do to help somebody, they just go do that. They don't ask for permission. They don't, uh, there's no pre-qualifier. You don't have to be a, a Hilton customer. And the example I use a lot, uh, both in the book and, and uh, in presentations, is there's a, a guy who was in um, Dallas, and he, and he tweeted out, uh, are there any good places to eat near the Magnolia Hotel in downtown Dallas? I'll be there on Saturday. 
And and he didn't tweet that at Hilton. He just tweeted it, you know, right. into the wind, the way we so often do. But Hilton was paying attention. They saw that, and they answered him back, and they said, hey, um, uh, Wild Salsa is a restaurant over on Main Street, and Campisi's over on Elm Street. They're both awesome, uh, and they're both within walking distance of your hotel. Uh, enjoy. But the amazing thing is that the Magnolia Hotel, the hotel he was staying at, is not a Hilton hotel. Right. So you have Hilton using staff time and staff resources to serve somebody that they know for a fact is not a customer. And to me, that is all about servant leadership, because they hope, obviously, that eventually he's going to be in a different city. He'll be in Atlanta or Newark or San Francisco, and he'll need to book a hotel, and he'll think of Hilton first. To me, servant leadership and utility are essentially the same thing, because it's about the power of eventually. It's about trusting that your customer and prospective customer will, will benefit from your servant leadership and will reward you at some point in the future. You don't need to be rewarded today. That's for cowards. Have the courage to be rewarded eventually. This power of eventually, and the other aspect that I think of that is a real leadership component tied to this service, uh, this serving from the front lines, is people at the top lines saying it's okay for you to take time to just be useful to others. Right. They're not saying they're not saying, hey, and what's the ROI on this or how many room nights did we book or you know, did did that guy show up in the bar for a drink? I mean, th- there isn't any of that. So your recommendation from the book then is to stop trying to be amazing and start being useful. How is it that that approach and companies are coming to realize that that approach is actually good business? Well, the good news is that useful is actually easier than amazing because we know useful when we see it. Amazing is circumstantial. You can have a strategy of being useful, as Hilton does, what Hilton suggests. Amazing is not so much strategic as it is catching lightning in a bottle, right? There's this sort of belief system out there that you need to kind of, quote-unquote, go viral, right, and come up with this amazing thing that sort of transcends your your normal amount of attention because it's funny or whatever. And, And, yeah, I mean, that... That happens. I mean, don't get me wrong. We we work on programs like that in our consulting company, but um, you know, saying let's go viral isn't a strategy. Right. It's basically hope, and and that's not the way I want to run my business. I would rather have a business that that I know I can execute and I know I can improve day over day and month over month. Then we're going to put all of our chips on on black and and hope the wheel still you know spins the right way. Well, Jay, as as I think about companies doing this that are seeking to be useful rather than amazing, that it seems to me that that's a mindset of the leaders inside the organization and not just seeking to be useful outside the organization. Right? That that they're seeking to be useful to their employees so their employees can be useful to the rest of the world. Yes, there's there's a huge cultural component to to utility. People ask me about sort of the tactical side or the execution side. I'm like, yeah, I, I can help you with that. But unless you inherently in your organization believe in in 
in serving and you believe in helping and you believe in the power of eventually, your tactical mastery is not going to matter. Um, and that has to come from the top down. I mean, certainly you can have frontline um, frontline people can come up with utility programs, but you have to have support at the very highest levels of the organization or it will never take root. And, and so a lot of the consulting work we do is actually helping um, sort of C-suite folks understand that, you know what, this sounds crazy to you because we haven't done marketing like this for a long time, but it will work eventually, right, if you, if you, if you really think about um, shifting your mindset. And, and so it's an interesting time. I, I did some research uh, at one point. It's not in the book, but I think you'll appreciate this, where I looked at um, the companies that are the best places to work, right? Uh-huh. You're familiar with that kind of research. Right. So I took the list of the companies that are best places to work, and I cross-referenced that list with the companies that are best at social media using a social business index from uh, Dotchess Group. And, and it was remarkable. It was something like a 30% overlap. Hmm. And so the companies that treat their people better mm-hmm. are also better at interacting with the public in social media. And that is not an accident. Exactly. No, I, I would say it's not an, it's a direct result of the leadership approach at the top. Direct. Yeah, and I've, I've counseled a lot of people privately who say, geez, I, I really, really want to do some amazing social media work at this at this company, and I want to be able to interact with the public in a, uh, you know, in a way that, that gains trust and all these kind of things. But my boss won't support it. Our company doesn't believe in that. And, and you know, what I tell people is, you know, if that's true and your company literally doesn't support those values, you should find a different company yeah. because it's, you, you can't change that yourself. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking just yesterday because of some news uh, announced of a, a company about uh, being best in their industry at the front line. And, and it just and I was tweeting about it that that is to me one of the clearest indications that great things are happening at the top line of the company. Going back to some of these conversations you've had with CEOs uh or other C-suite leaders around sharing utility. Can you share a couple of uh, maybe the the folks that just what happened when they immediately get it? I think once they once they understand um, sort of the transformative power of this kind of marketing, what they immediately look for is how how can we and this is the right way to go in my estimation. How can we take what we're already doing and and add a layer of service on top of it, right? How can we take our existing uh, communications infrastructure or customer service inf- infrastructure uh, and and make it more useful, make it selfless, make it something that that people would pay for? Um, and and that's an interesting audit to to participate in, right? To say, okay, mm-hmm. let's let's go through everything you're doing and find out what what we can add to it to make it inherently useful as opposed to just a commercial. Another quote from the book, in a world where personal relationships and social connectivity are the coin of the realm, your employees are your single greatest marketing engine. Say more, please. Well, it is a huge trend, a very emerging trend in the social media uh, business world, companies have recognized. I mean, if you just do the math on this, right? So, 
so let's say that um, uh, you have 10,000 uh, fans on your Facebook page and you have uh, 50 employees. Well, the average person who's on Facebook has, you know, 200 fans on Facebook, right? So if you just break down the math, it is entirely likely, in fact, probable that your employees collectively have far more connections in social media than your company does or your company ever will, not to mention the fact that your employees are inherently trusted more than your company ever will be because people are trusted more than, than brands mm -hmm. always. So you start to realize that the secret to success in a social media digital world is not necessarily building all the trust and authority in your brand, but empowering your employees to carry that trust and authority more broadly into uh, into the world. And so there's a lot of software companies now, and a lot of consulting companies now that help uh, organizations with this, this sort of social media enablement of, of all employees or many employees. So instead of saying, hey, let's just try and make sure the marketing department's good at this, it's, hey, let's make sure everybody is good at this. So it's loosening the control over the message. That's one thing I hear. And it's not it's not that the marketing department is giving all of those employees the messages that we now want you to go share. It's just letting it happen organically. There's probably in practice both yeah. of those, right? Some of yeah. it is marketing yeah. has, has had, here's something that we think is important. You should share this with your friends if you think it's important. Right. And so there's some of that. Of course, it's almost like the... It's almost like the employee newsletter, right, but in a modern age. Uh, and, and then no question, it's we understand that your participation in social media will create brand value for us indirectly. And so we encourage you to do that, whether it's writing a blog or commenting on other people's blogs or being active on LinkedIn or whatever your deal is, the company wants to support you to do more of that because we know that if you – uh, build brand value for yourself, that has a halo effect on the company. Jay, you, you also wrote that, uh, and this is another way that I saw it like servant leadership. I, I would describe utility as a journey, not a destination. You wrote, utility is not a project with a beginning, middle, and an end. Rather, it requires an ongoing, never-ending, constantly reinvented and refined process your customers and potential customers need from you changes all the time. What your competitors are doing changes all the time. Technology changes all the time. So you, you can't just build a, a program that, that is useful and say, okay, well, we've, we've checked that checkbox. You have to continue to uh, iterate and find new and different ways to be useful. The, the analogy that I use now is that, is that you need to think of utility, and I would say servant leadership as well, as a river that's always flowing through your organization and through your own life instead of as a lake that you have to go visit. And if you do that, right, if you, if you always have utility sort of top of mind or at least back of mind, mm -hmm. uh, two, two things will happen. Um, one, the that you will start to see examples of this all around you, right? You'll start to, in your own life, ah, that's one of those utility marketing ideas that Jay was talking about. You'll start to recognize this pattern in the wild. And the second thing is if you just kind of plant that seed, at some point the truly great uh, utility idea, the truly great concept that's rooted in servant leadership will pop into your head. You know, it will just 
pop into your head and and you can sit down and have brainstorms and and meetings and get some paper out and come up with some ideas but i find that the very best ideas are the ones that that pop into your head when you're not trying to create them because one thing i've discovered in my long career as a consultant is that inspiration doesn't respond to meeting requests you know you you can't be like hey we're going to have this great idea and we're going to do it between two o'clock and three Mm o'clock well maybe but probably not well, Jay, you've spent a lot of time out there on the road. You you travel extensively. You're, you're with customers, with clients, with leaders. Well, what are the conversations that energize you most since the release of Utility? The thing that's exciting about Utility is that it's 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 become part of the marketing lexicon for a lot mm-hmm. of organizations. Mm-hmm. It's it's become. Uh, shorthand, right? It, that people say it, and in that organization, they know what it means, and they're trying to uh, achieve it in that long-term process. So that that's very, very gratifying. Um, I think what is what is also interesting now is to see how organizations can unfold and unfurl utility with employees leading the charge, right? So as we talked about a moment ago, how can we get all the front lines involved like like Hilton Suggests does? That's really exciting. And then certainly where we're at with mobile and smartphones and tablets where, where people have access um, to basically all the world's information at all times, um, that that creates such an enormous array of opportunities to, to do servant leadership in real time. Uh, and and I think we're just scratching the surface of, of what's to come. Wonderful. Well, we're talking with Jay Bear. We're talking utility. We're talking about the correlations between utility and servant leadership and what it's like when organizations devote time, energy, resources to the front line and to serving clients, customers. What else would you like to add that we've not yet talked about, Jay? Um, just Some people may be interested in the fact that uh, I am producing a series of uh, specific focused ebooks about utilities. So Utility for Accountants is out. Utility for Real Estate will be out soon. And I'm targeting a bunch of other industries. So for people who happen to be in uh, one of those industries, it's it's all kinds of examples of utility and practice for those types of businesses, and that's an interesting project for me to work on. And if people are interested in learning more, how do they get in touch with you? There's lots of ways to to find me. I'm not uh, I'm not hard to locate <laughs> online. Probably the easiest thing to do would be to Google uh, Jay Bear or just go to jbear.com, which is B A E R, like the animal but spelled wrong. All right. Well, Jay, I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts, ideas and insights with us and actually demonstrating utility and action by sharing this time with us today. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. Terrific opportunity and a great show. Thanks, Jay. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Servant Leadership Session, and we look forward to connecting with you soon with another exciting interview. Join us next time for more Servant Leadership Sessions with your host, Kevin Monroe. And for more information about how to energize your workplace through the power of servant leadership, log on to cairnway.net, C-A-I-R-N-W-A-Y.net.